Good morning, everybody. This is Granny D. Dorcas Smith out of Plymouth, Michigan. Thank you for joining our TR90 Body Burn 30 call. It is a call we do five days a week, weekdays, to keep you going and keep you focused and keep you keeping yourself with that lifestyle change that you made when you joined the TR90 program. It doesn't mean that you're using the, the um, whole system all the time because you might be like I am in maintenance, but I still follow the system very well, and that's what keeps my fat and my muscle in the right in the right percentages. And thanks to this program, my muscle percentage now is somewhere around 31%, which for my age group is awesome. So it's something... So what, the reason that we get together is to motivate and encourage each other to stay with the program and stay healthy. And remember, for every 10 minutes you walk, or if you walk 10, just a measly 10 minutes a day, you improve your predisposition to Alzheimer's by 60%, which I think is amazing. You prevent it by 60%. So just know that walkers have better brains. All right, so we've been talking about memory, and I've been reading from Brain Rules by John Medina, and I'm just finishing off long-term memory now. Next one is going to be sleep. So here is the the current model as it looks right now. One, long-term memories occur from accumulations of synaptic changes in the cortex as a result of multiple reinstatements of memory. Two, These reinstatements are directed by the hippocampus, perhaps for years. Three, eventually the memory becomes independent of the medial temporal lobe and this newer, more stable memory trace is permanently stored in the cortex. Retrieval And four, retrieval mechanisms may reconstruct the original pattern of neurons initially recruited during the first moments of learning. So, what are we going to be going over today? Forgetting ideas. Forgetting and ideas. And then there's minutes and hours and days and weeks and years and years. So, what does that tell us about remembering and forgetting? So, we've been talking about forget, remembering, retrieval. Now, let's talk about forgetting. Solomon Shershevsky S-H-E-R-E-S-H-E-V-S-K-I-I, a Russian journalist born in 1886, seemed to have a virtually unlimited memory capacity, both for storage and for retrieval. Scientists would give him a list of things to memorize, usually combinations of numbers and letters, and then test his recall. As long as he was allowed for three to four minutes, three to four seconds, sorry, to visualize his words, each item. His words were visualized. So as long as he was allowed three to four seconds to visualize each of them, he could repeat the list back perfectly, even if the list had more than 70 elements. He could also repeat the list backward. In one experiment, a researcher exposed Shusemsky Sherzhevsky to a complex formula of letters and numbers contained, containing about 30 items. 
After a single retrieval test, which Sherchevsky accomplished flawlessly, the researcher put the list in a box and waited 15 years. The science then took the list out of the box and found Sherchevsky and asked him to repeat the formula. Without hesitation, Sherchevsky reproduced the list on the spot, again without error. Sherchevsky's memory of everything he encountered was so clear, so detailed, so unending, he lost the ability to organize it into meaningful patterns. Like living in a permanent snowstorm, he saw much of his life as blinding flakes of unrelated sensory information. He couldn't see the big picture, meaning he couldn't focus on commonalities between related experiences and discover larger repeating patterns. Poems, carrying their typical heavy load of metaphor and simile, were incomprehensible to him. In fact, he probably could not make sense of the sentence that I just read to you. Shoshevsky couldn't forget, and it affected the way he functioned. The last step in declarative processing is forgetting. The reason forgetting plays a vital role in our ability to function is deceptively simple. Forgetting allows us to prioritize events, those events that are irrelevant to our survival will take up wasteful cognitive space if we assign them the same priority as events critical to our survival. So we don't. We insult them by making them less stable and then we forget them. So forgetting, so, for, so forgetting is healthy. There appear to be many types of forgetting, categories cleverly enumerated by Dan, Dan Schechter, the father of research on the phenomenon in his book, The Seven Sins of Memory. Tip of the tongue issues, absent-mindedness, blocking habits, misattribution, biases, suggestibility, the risk leads like a cognitive chamber of horrors for students and business professionals alike. Regardless of the type of forgetting, they all have one thing in common. They allow us to drop pieces of information in favor of others. And in so doing, forgetting has helped us conquer the earth. So, what are all of this? What is all this about ideas? How can we use all of this information to conquer the classroom, the boardroom? Exploring the timing of information re-exposure is one... Ex- exploring the timing of information re-exposure is one of the obvious... is one obvious arena where researchers and pr- practitioners might do productive work together. For example, we have no idea what this means for marketing, How often must you repeat the message before people buy a product? What determines whether they will remember it six months later or years later? Actually, it's phenomenally little. You need to hear something only twice for it to start sticking. Minutes and hours. The day of a typical high school student is segmented into five or six 50-minute periods consisting of unrepeated and unrelenting streams of information. Using as a framework the timing requirements suggested by working memory, how would you change this five-minute period fire hose? 
what you'd come up with might be the strangest classroom experience in the world. Here's Medina's fantasy. In the school of the future, lessons are divided into 25-minute modules, cyclically repeated throughout the day. Subject A is taught for 25 minutes, considering constituting first exposure. 90 minutes later, the 25-minute content of subject A is repeated, and then a third time. All classes are segmented and interleaved in such a manner. Because of this repetition, schedules slow down and the amount of information capable of being addressed per unit of time. The school year is extended into the summer. So there's days and weeks. We know from Robert Wagner that the multiple reinstatements provide demonstrable benefit over periods of days and even weeks. In the future school, every third or fourth day would be, review, would be reserved for reviewing the facts delivered in the previous 72 to 96 hours. During these review holidays, previous information would be presented in a compressed fashion. Students would have a chance to inspect the notes they took during the initial exposures comparing them with what the teacher was saying in, in the review. This would result in a greater elaboration of the information and it would help the teachers to deliver accurate information. A formalized exercise in error checking soon would become a regular and positive part of both the teacher and students' learning experiences. It is quite possible that such models would eradicate the need for homework. At best, homework served only to force the student to repeat content. If that, repeated, if that repetition were supplied during the course of the day, there might be little need for re further re-exposure. This isn't because homework isn't important as a concept. In the future school, it may simply just be unnecessary. Could models like this really work? Deliberately spaced repetitions have not been tested rigorously in the real world, so there are lots of questions. Do you really need three separate repetitions per subject per day to accrue a positive outcome? Do all subjects need such repetition? Might such interlude bigger hurt learning? And with constant repetitions beginning to interfere with one another as the day wore on, do you really need review holidays? And if you do, do you need them every day or every three or four days? We don't know. So then it comes to years and years. Today, students are expected to know certain things by certain grades. Curiously absent from this model is how durable that learning remains after the student completes the grade. Given that system, consolidation can take years. Might the idea of grade level expectations need amending? Perhaps learning in the long view should be, taught, should be thought of in the same way one thinks of an immune booster shot, with critical pieces of information being repeated only a yearly or at semi, on a semi-yearly basis. <clears throat> in Medina's fantasy class, this is exactly what happens. Repetitions begin with a constant and rigorous review of multiplication tables, fractions, and decimals first learned in the third grade. Six months and yearly review sessions on these facts occur through the sixth grade. <clears throat> Excuse me. As mathematical comp comp 
competencies increase in sophistication, the review content is changed to reflect greater understanding, but the cycles are still in place. In my fantasy, these consistent repetition disciplines stretched over long periods of time create enormous benefits for every academic subject, especially foreign languages. You've probably heard that many corporations, especially in technical fields, especially in technical fields, are disappointed by the quality of the American undergraduates they hire. They have to spend money retraining many of their newest employees in certain basic skills that they often think should have been covered in college. One of my business fantasies would partner engineering firms with colleges of engineering. It involves shoring up this deficit by instituting postgraduate repetition experiences. These reinstatement exercises would be initiated the week after graduation and continue through the first year of employment. The goal, to review every important technical subject relevant to the employee's new job, Research would establish not only the choice of topics to be reviewed, but also the optimal spacing of the repetition. Medina's fantasy shares the teaching load between the firm members and the academic community, extending the idea of a bachelor's degree into the workplace. This hybridization aligns business professionals with researchers, ensuring that companies have exposure to the latest advances in their fields and informing researchers on the latest practical day-to-day issues business and, and informing researchers on the latest practical day-to-day issues business pre- professionals face. In Medina's fantasy, the program becomes so popular that the more experienced engineers also begin attending these refresher courses, inadvertently rubbing shoulders with the younger generations. The old guard is surprised at how much they have forgotten and how much review and cross-hybridization, both with research professionals and younger students, aid their own job performance. Medina says he wishes he could tell you all this would work, but instead, all he can say is that memory is not fixed at the moment of learning and repetition provides a fixative. So, remember to repeat and repeat to remember. Remember that most memories disappear within minutes, but those that survive this fragile period strengthen with time. When you go over a memory, you deepen the dendrite path and it stays better. Long-term memories are formed in a two-way conversation between the hippocampus and the cortex until the hippocampus breaks the connection and the memory is fixed in the cortex, which can take, according to what Medina says, like 11, 12 years. Our brains give us an approximate view of reality because they mix new knowledge with past memories and they store them together as one. The way to make long-term memory more reliable is to incorporate new information gradually and repeat it at timed intervals. So, repeat to remember, and then remember to repeat. And there we are. Okay, let me just get out of here. All right. This is Granny D. Dorcas 
signing out for today, and thank you for listening, and I hope that you found the ideas of repetition in your, in your brain to make long-term memories useful to keep your brain healthy. Thank yes, you. I just, I just have Go to ahead. tell you, I, was, I woke up this morning and I was remembering and reprocessing things. So it's going in what you're teaching. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yes, repeat to remember. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I know that yeah. I am much better when I follow what I've been t- teaching us. <laughs> Or or you're better if you get it into our brain so we can follow what you're teaching. It's absolutely true. I love it. And isn't it fun? It's a joyful thing. It really is. I think this is one of the most inspiring um, books. And um, I'm, I'm really excited. And I, I love what you said about walking and Alzheimer's since I'm doing a lot more of that these days since I've been in Texas. <laughs> it made me really feel good today. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just 10 minutes a day improves your risk for Alzheimer's by 60%. So just think of all your, how long you're walking and what that's doing for your brain. It's absolutely keeping it so healthy. And then if you do a little bit of weight-bearing exercise as well, then you are really on your way. Oh, I will tell you, I started working with my trainer again via the the um, FaceTime on the phone, and um, I feel like a different person now that I'm back on my, you know, having her work with me and my son-in-law. We do, we do the three of us do it together, so it's been great. It's really true. That is awesome. I love it. Well, having an exercise partner that helps keep you accountable, too, and that's always a good thing. It It is Especially so important. It's so important. And um, and it gives you something to look forward to. I mean, I when I moved, I was doing every Monday... And um, and then I went for several months where I was doing the exercises, but I didn't have my trainer. And now that I'm back on track, it really makes a difference for everybody. So I'm just giving that out there. You really need to. You don't have to have a trainer, but a partner to do with, uh, work with is really, I think, more fun. It makes it easier. Yes, indeed. Okay, guys, have a great day. I'm going to go do my exercises. (laughs) You too. Bye. Bye.